0: Why we're here. This is why we gather. This, is this uh, If you're new to church, there's like this covering that's over you. And that covering is the Spirit of God and Jesus and the Father. It's all watching over you. And when, when, when he looks upon you, he just sees you as his kid. He sees your flaws, he sees your sin, he sees your screw-ups. He sees your failures. He sees the hurt. He sees the shortcomings. And and if, he, if we just, what happens to us is we do this. I just... <sighs> it's just natural to hang your head in shame. It's just, it's just the way our, our physical makeup is, and that's the way your body is, the way God created us. Honestly, is a You ever notice how you you do this? But when you're in this position, you're in the right position because you're able now to humble yourself before an almighty God. But here's what I want you to know. Because God loves you, because he is a God of mercy and grace and restoration and resurrection and and love, you, you can actually turn your countenance and look up. You remember when you were a kid and you did something, you didn't want to look? If you're a parent, you know when your kids are messed up because they're always doing this. And You just know, I don't know what you did, but it ain't good. And they can't, look at me, 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 look at me. So what a parent says, what a parent, by the way, saying is, look at me, which we say in short form. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. So God is saying, look at me, look, 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 look at me. Not so he can condemn you, but so that he can pour out his grace and his mercy and his love. Can we just honor him for that and praise him for what he's done? Thank you, worship team. This is our God. This is what he does. I would like for you to remain standing, and we're going to look at some scripture and read some scripture here together. If you want to get a head start, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we'll be, Second Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download YouVersion, a great app. I'm always in the New Living Translation. That's the one I use. So we're kicking off a brand new series. It's called Treasure, Trophies, and Toys. And this is cool. All of our core groups are going through this, by the way, together. This series is based on uh, some principles that I learned from uh, my life, frankly, but uh, it was inspired by a book by Randy Alcorn called The Treasure Principle, and all of our core groups are going to be going through that series together. So when you go home today, if you're in a core group, you're going to get an email from Right Now Media, okay? Look for it, Right Now Media. You go in, log in, you can see all the small group materials. You'll also have access for the next 30 days, access to all kinds of Bible studies, um, teaching videos—it's one of the best resources out there, and it's free. Like the church, we're we're underwriting the cost of it, so that you can utilize it, and it's free for you. We want you to be able to utilize that over the next 30 days. But this series is really about generosity. Everybody wants to be generous. We all want to be generous. Nobody here doesn't. We all want to be generous, but but it's difficult. And God wants to birth a generous spirit. In us. And here's the thing, we're gonna talk about money over the next few weeks. And what's funny in the church, whenever we talk about money, it seems like it's bad. Like, oh, money, oh, you shouldn't want money. Oh, no, no, no. You should... money is bad. As a... No, it's not money, is good. Come on now, money is good. Turn to somebody and tell them money is good. Money is good. Now turn back to them and say, it'd be good if you gave me some of that money. It would be good if you gave me some of that money here's the thing about money though money can be a trap right come on now if you've been alive you've got breath in your lungs and you you've had any money that hasn't been given to you by mom and dad you know if you're you're working for that money money can be a trap so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about treasure, and, and we're going to, we're going to talk, talk about the trap of security, like I can never have enough. I don't have enough, and i got to keep it for, for myself, and we're going to be talking about your treasure and the trap of security, and we're going to talk about trophies and this trap of status. Man, we can, we can spend our money on certain things to give off a certain impression for people. It's a trap. There's also the trap of toys, getting stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff, but what happens is you start getting stuff and then you want more stuff and you want more stuff and it becomes this trap that I can't get enough stuff. And what we want for you and I want for you, I want you to have freedom in Christ. Listen, I, I God has unlocked generosity in my life and in Laura's life. And we're going to share with you today, I'm going to be sharing with you just some things that we've learned in our life. Every principle that I'm going to share with you today has been tested, tried, and true. What I'm going to tell you works, and it will work every time for you. And I desperately want you to be free. Money will trap you. Money will enslave you. Money will make you bitter and angry and frustrated, and and it it will just become, you'll be all locked up in yourself. And God says, "I I want you to be free. Money is so good. I like what John Wesley said. So some of you, you may not even know who John Wesley is. John Wesley is one of my favorite preachers. He's from the 1700s. And he was a great orator, and he was a he, part of the Great Awakening, and, uh, and he uh, was a preacher and theologian. And he basically said this, and I'll kind of um, paraphrase what he said, but he said, get all you can. I like that. Get all you can and give all you can. Get all you can and give all you can do not ever apologize for having money money is good get as much as you can but learn to give as much as you can so we're going to talk about generosity second corinthians chapter 9 is an incredible passage of scripture the apostle paul actually in chapters 8 and 9 talks a lot about generosity this has been used by theologians and scholars for a long, long time. They point directly to this to really understand what generosity is. So Paul uh, was a follower of Jesus, and he wrote this letter to the Corinthian church. Let's look at chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, and we'll start in verse verse 6. Remember this, he says, a farmer who plants only a few seeds, going to get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, going to get a generous crop. You're like this too. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. Oh, whoo, yeah, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I get to decide. Uh, Catch yourself on that because it says you got to decide in your heart. Does God have your heart? Because when God has your heart, you will give and be generous in ways you could never, ever have imagined in your life being. So you decide. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. By the way, if you're brand new to Court Church, this is what I love about this place. We never pressure you to give. We don't make a huge deal. You got to give. You got to give. You got to give. We, you, you better give or God's going to get you. And we never say any of that. Can I just be honest with you? We don't need your money. Like, you really don't have to give here. You could completely stop giving. And as what we're going to talk about today is, we don't worry about it because you're not the source. God is the source. Okay? We're going to talk about that today, so I don't worry about it. I just want something good for you today. He says that God's going to generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, so Paul's quoting the Old Testament here, and I think this really describes core church. They share freely, and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Come on, that's who you are. That's who we are. It's the kind of people we are. Notice that it doesn't say they, they are stingy and don't give a whole lot. Because if you do that, you don't have any good deeds to be remembered by. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way. He's going to provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Today, I want to talk to you about scarcity and abundance, scarcity and abundance. Let's pray together. God, we are humbled right now and ask that you would speak in the moments that we have. There's not a person in here, God, doesn't want to be generous. We all want to be generous, including this guy on this stage. But God, it's hard and it's difficult at times. So would you unlock that in us today and give us some new understanding, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Well, it doesn't matter how generous you are. You might be the most generous person, and you may consider yourself a very generous person, but, but we all have at least one thing that we struggle being generous with. Now, now for me, it's my truck. I, I love my truck. Now, for years and years, I never had a truck. I just drove whatever car was in the driveway. That's what I drove, not because I wanted to, but because I had these four issues in my life called children, and I had to provide for them, and I was like, man, I want a truck, and then I'd look over, well, I guess I need to feed them, and they sucked the life right out of me, and so I wasn't able to get a truck, but that's a story for another day. But when my last child finally moved out and I got him off the payroll, I was able to go get my truck. Now, it wasn't a brand new truck, but it was new to me, and I love my truck. And and I know, here's the thing about Oklahoma is, in Oklahoma, uh, you know, you, you should have a truck. And and so that's why I got my truck, because, and, and, you know, I'm just, it's status. I need status. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks, but for now, I don't have to lay that idle down, okay? So I can get hung up on status. And so the thing in Oklahoma, though, if you have a truck, you know that you get a truck, and because you haul stuff in your truck. That ain't why I got a truck, okay? I got a truck because trucks are cool. You ain't hauling nothing in my truck. If you want to borrow my truck, listen to me now. No. No, no, no. You can't have my truck. Can't use my truck. Here's the thing, because if you have a truck, you know this. If you put stuff in the truck, it ends up getting scratched up, dented, Things get bent and broken. That ain't going to happen for my truck, so don't ask to use my truck. I can be generous with everything else. Do not, don't judge me, okay? I'm generous with everything else. That's my thing. I was put to the test on this last year. So Eric and Sybil, and some of you may not know who they are. Eric is one of our pastors. He was singing this morning, and, and his wife Sybil is our core kids director. Last year they were moving. And because I'm a friend, you know how it is when you're a friend, okay, I'm a, you call your friend. Uh, and if you're a friend, you get automatically volunteered to help somebody move. So I immediately defriended him on Facebook so that, so that he wouldn't use my truck. And here's the thing. I said, he's only moving like a block away. And so I asked him, I said, hey, you're moving just around the block. How are you, how you planning to, to move? And I'm going to be real up in here. I was fishing, okay? I was fishing because I, I figured he's gonna, what he was going to say. And he said, oh, I was just going to get a bunch of guys and their trucks and their trailers. And I'm like, oh, oh, time out, brother. So I said, let me educate you a little bit here. I said, the thing you need to do that everybody would love you for is if you got a U-Haul. If you've got a, a biggest, the biggest one you can find. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, you ain't using a truck. But I was just telling him like I was doing him a favor. I said, you need to get a big old U-Haul. And he's like, Brad, that's a great idea. I go, yeah, that's a great idea because you ain't using my truck. So the day of the move came, and I uh, was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to take Laura's car. That's what I'm going to do to ensure... No way you're going to use my truck. So I go out to get in Laura's car. I didn't realize she left early that morning because she had an appointment. So I had to take my truck. So I drove into the neighborhood, and, I'm <laughs> and I, I pl- parked a, a block away. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I parked way far away, so nobody knew I brought my truck, and come walking down. He's got the big U-Haul. I'm like, all right. Start loading the thing up, get it all loaded up, and it's completely packed, completely packed, and I look into the garage, and there was, there was still stuff in the garage. To which I turned to Eric and I said, obviously you need this sermon series because you are trapped with stuff. And we need to get rid of this stuff so that you are not, you can be free from this. And we're looking at the stuff and I'm like, surely we can get it in here. And the guy's like, hey Brad, this is completely packed out. And I'm like, we can get it in there. We can can do it. And they're like looking at me like, go get your truck. Because they could see it right down the block. And I was like, go get my truck. Truck. I'm gonna get my truck. I'm gonna use my truck and use my truck and get my truck and back my truck up and back it up in the driveway. And get out and I go. Hey guys, let's load it up. All right, let's go. <laughs> I was not excited to use my truck. <laughs> so there's some bed frames. They load it in there and in a dresser. I'm like easy, easy. And they get it all loaded in and I'm starting to pull away. And you know, just despite them, I donated it all to Salvation Army. I'm kidding. Somebody over here was like, oh, no, I didn't do that. (laughs) My goodness, no, I did not. It it doesn't matter. All of us have something. And here's the thing. It's it's easy to be generous with something you know you're going to get back. Uh, In the end, it's not that hard. You know you're going to get it back. And I, I think this is why so many of us struggle when it comes to being generous with our money. Because if I give it, I'm going to have less of it. And what happens is we develop a scarcity mindset. Well, if, if I, I, I want to give to God. I want to give to the church. I want to give in the offering. I want to give to this ministry. And frankly, I mean, I want to give to this person here that's in need, this person that's in my, my neighbor and this, this kid on my campus and the, this person at work. I know they need some help, but if I give it, then I'm going to have less of it. And I don't know if I can do that. And what happens is we develop a scarcity mindset. But Paul tells us in this letter that as followers of Jesus, we were never supposed to have a scarcity mindset. He says, no, no, you're supposed to have an abundance mindset as a follower of Jesus. Let's look back at it. Chapter 9, verse 10, it says, for God. Somebody say, for God. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So what Paul is saying is if, if you want to be generous, you got to first understand who provides the seed. Who is it that's providing the seed? Like Paul, Paul says, it's God. God is the one who provides. Every resource that you have, you, you didn't get it. God gave it to you. You got clothes on your back, God gave that to you. You got a car, God gave that to you. You got a job, God gave that to you. You got money, it came to you from God. God is the one who provides. And in the story, he says, you and I are the farmer. In other words, you and I are the manager, we're the the caretaker, and so God says, all right, I'm gonna give you some seed, and then I'm gonna trust you to plant it in the right place. You and I get to decide where we're going to plant our seed. The problem is we get it flipped around. God isn't the provider in the story. God is actually the farmer, and I'm the provider. I provide. I provide the resources, and when I look, I go, man, I just don't have a lot of seed, and so I give God a little bit of seed when I can and then God, as the farmer, he plants that seed. And that's not the way Paul said it is. And he says, listen, listen, when you rely on yourself, when you look at yourself as the provider, you develop a scarcity mindset. It's all on me to provide. I provide it, and I don't believe God can. And it's all on me, and I know exactly how much seed I've got. Come on, you know how much seed you got. You know how much is coming in, and you know how much is going out. And it's not hard to figure out. You're like, okay, I look at this, and and and, and I know in two weeks I'm going to get amount, and so here's how much seed I can give. That's the wrong mindset. That's the wrong way to look at it. In that scenario, you're the provider, and God's the farmer, but God says, no, 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 no. You need to develop an abundance mindset. In other words, don't just look at that seed that you have, but look at what I can provide. Turn to somebody and tell them, look what God can provide. Come on, tell somebody, look what God can provide. What happens is, when we develop this scarcity mindset, is, man, I just, I I better hang on to this, because I I don't know when I'm going to get more, and I don't really have enough. And if you find yourself saying those things, you have a scarcity mindset. And Paul says that we should have an abundance mindset, because when you have a scarcity mindset, what happens to you is you become a seed storer instead of a seed sower. You were never meant to be just a seed storer. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week. We're going to talk about being a seed storer. But you weren't meant to be just a seed storer. You were meant to be a seed sower. Look what he says back in verse 8. He said, God will generously provide. Again, God provides it all. He's going to generously provide all that you need. Then you will what? You will what? Not sometimes, not every once in a while, not not when God feels like it. No, always you you will always have what? Everything. Have everything. Not some things, not a little bit. Not everything you need and what? Plenty left over. You have plenty left over to share with others. Come on, turn to somebody, encourage them, and tell them you serve a God of plenty. You serve a God of plenty. This is who you serve, a God of plenty. Scarcity mindset says, man, I I never have enough. But abundance mindset says, man, you know what? I may not have enough, but my God has more than enough. So this is the question I want you to write down. This is the question I want you to wrestle with for the next few weeks. This is a question that, really came to me about a year ago, and the question is this, do I have a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset? Do I have a scarcity mindset or do I have an abundance mindset? I got to be honest, I, I, I've throughout the years have tried to have an abundance mindset, but in the moment that that question came to me, it checked me because I realized I was starting to, to move towards a scarcity mindset. Mindset and thinking about what I had and what I was given, and this is all I've got, and I've got to hold on to it instead of turning and realizing, Holy smokes, God provides. God provides all that I need. And here's the thing you need to realize God sees your generosity. God sees when you're generous, He sees your generosity and He blesses your generosity. This is who our God is. He sees generosity, and he blesses generosity. And here's the thing about an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset will plant seed even in seasons of drought. That's when generosity is really tested. Your generosity won't be tested when you are in plenty. You will figure out if you're a generous person. See, here's what we say. Well, I'll be generous when I get. No, 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 no. That's a scarcity mindset. Generosity isn't just reserved for the rich. Everyone can be generous. In fact, I would encourage you to stop thinking about the dollar figure and start thinking about percentages. What percentage of giving do I give to God? Do I give to God? And and stop thinking about the dollar figure. Stop waiting because in the season of drought is where you will discover if you have a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. In 2008, Laura and I and a small group of people went out and we started a brand new church over in East Tulsa. And some of you were a part of that small group. And we went over and we began this church in the fall of 2008, the worst possible time to plant and start a new church. Because if you remember the fall of 2008, anybody remember what happened then? The Great Recession. We started this brand new church and the recession, boom, hit at the same time. Those of you that were alive back then, and you know what that felt like, how difficult that was, how hard it was. And, and we had just a small group of people, and just a small group of people, were, we were all struggling just to try to even meet our own needs, and there weren't a whole lot of us, and then we had new people who were coming, and they hadn't yet learned to trust us, so they weren't yet giving, and being generous yet, we had a lot of people that were unchurched that were coming, and not like you, like, as a follower of Jesus, you get it, you're like, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be generous, I know God wants me to be generous, but if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't recognize that, and then you have something you have to learn, and you have to grow into, and then we had a huge financial backer, huge financial backer that said, I'm sorry, but I, I the recession's hit, and we, we can't support you. And it got really, really tough, and it got really, really lean really, really fast. And I remember one Sunday that a member of the finance team came to me, and they said, hey, Pastor, um, I don't know what to do. We we, we don't have enough to pay you. And at that time, I was the only staff member, and it took everything I had and all my time just to try to get the church going, and so I didn't have any outside income, and I, I looked at the finance director, and I said, pay the bills. And they said, what? I said, pay the bills. Because I had begun to develop an abundance mindset. I knew the work I was doing. I knew that God saw my generosity, and I knew that somehow God would provide. What I didn't know is that it would be over a month and a half of no income. Try going a week without anything. Come on, somebody! You know what I'm talking about? Like, how am I? Gonna, you're thinking, how am I going to make it this week? We had to go. We went through one paycheck, nothing. Another paycheck, nothing. Another paycheck, nothing. Another paycheck, nothing. And as you can only imagine, all of our reserves got depleted. All of our 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 resources. There. I mean, the cupboards got pretty bare back then, and I had like three teenagers in the house at the time. Come on, somebody! Talk about a season of drought! I mean, they are just raking through the cupboards, and then they're getting hungry like hyenas. It was just bizarre. They're like, ah, ah you know. And I'm like, hey, trust God. You know, I'm there. <laughs> and 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 so we didn't know what we were gonna do. And then I, I got a, a phone call from a friend of mine, a pastor friend, in Oklahoma City. And my f- friend Tony called and. He said, hey, Brad, Trish and I are going to be in town tomorrow, around one. We just want to come by and say hi. And I said, yeah, man, come on by. And to be honest with you, I was just like, thank God, because the only people that knew was Laura and I and our finance team. The church didn't know. No one knew. I said, we're going to pray about this. We're going to trust God. He'll make a way. And when my friend was coming to town, I was like, oh, I'm going to tell him, <laughs> and we're going to pray together. And he shows up in my driveway and pulls up in this van, him and his wife, and they open up the doors of their van and it's packed from floor to ceiling with all of these yellow bags. And in these yellow bags were groceries and staples and everything you could imagine. See, my friend Tony, who knew nothing of what was going on, knew that we were starting a church and he stood up in front of his people and he said, hey, there's a new pastor starting a brand new church in in Tulsa. How about we bless him? And that church Brought food and groceries and staples and everything you can imagine. And we took all of these yellow bags and we brought them into the house. And my kids helped bring them into the house. And and it went from the kitchen to the dining room all the way through the living room. The entire floor covered in a sea of yellow. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches that are in Christ Jesus. This is who our God is. This is what he does. This is what Paul is trying to get said to us right here. And and an abundant mindset is an exercise in faith. It's saying, I'm going to give it. I'm going to plant the seed, and I'm going to trust God that you're going to water it. Okay, God, I planted that like three weeks ago. It's getting awfully dry. Hey, God, seed's drying out. Might want to water that. Four weeks, five weeks, six. Hey, God, seed is, seed's dead now, God. Good luck. That's when God says, hey, I'm pretty good at resurrecting dead things. This is who our God is. This is what he is. Listen, Laura and I, we have practiced tithing for over three decades. Now, if you're new to church, you're like, I don't know, what is tithing? Tithing is simply giving 10% of your income. It's a it's a practice and principle that's been in the church for thousands of years. And it's not legalistic. Paul says give whatever you decide in your heart to give. And but I would just tell you this, if you're wondering, how do I know if I'm being generous? I would tell you, 10% is a really good place to start. If you're giving 10%, I would say, man, you're a generous person. That's just me just talking. I just believe that you're a generous person. And so Laura and I, listen to this, Laura and I. In over three decades of marriage, we have never, not one time tithed. We have never, ever missed tithing in 35 plus years. Never one time. I don't tell you that in pride. I tell you that in humility. I tell you that to encourage you to build your faith that in seasons of drought and in seasons of plenty, God sees your generosity, and he will bless you exponentially. I can tell you, man, I remember we were living in this converted barn. It was an apartment converted into a barn, and, and we were, I was making minimum wage, Back in the day, minimum wage. Some of y'all are making minimum wage right now. Okay, let me tell you what minimum wage was back in the day. 335 an hour. That's minimum wage. That's what I was making at my very first radio job. 335 an hour. We were not making it. Brand new baby, we weren't making it. But you know what Laura and I were doing? We were tithing. We're going to give even in seasons of drought. We're going to give. And would you know God just provided every single time. I remember one time that our neighbor came over and said, hey, I've got these day-old cinnamon rolls from the church that I'm working at. You guys want them? I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's like a double blessing right there. It's food and it's cinnamon rolls. Boom, that's a double blessing. I remember one time we were, we were struggling and we weren't making it and, and our car broke down and we couldn't fix it. And I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. Are we going to give 10%? Are we going to tithe? Or are we going to fix that car that's broken down by the curb? I said, we're going to tithe. And we let that car sit there. And we tithe, and we let the car sit there and we tithe, and we found ways to get rides and we drove each other to to work in different places and caught rides with friends. All the while, the car parked broken down next to the curb. And if I would have just taken the tithe check, I could have fixed the car. But I said, no. Even in seasons of drought, I will be generous, and I believe that my God will be generous back to me. And I'm telling you, in 35 years, God has always been generous to me. I have lived this scripture. Laura and I have had everything we've needed. We were talking about this yesterday. We're like, can you believe that? We look back over 35 years trying to figure out one time that God just messed up. One time that God just forgot. He never has forgotten. We look back, we're like, oh, my gosh, the life we have lived. Have we really lived this life? Is this for 30? This is crazy, the things that God has done. And not only has he provided everything we've needed, but here's the key. We've always had plenty left over to give to others who are in need. This is what our God wants to do. Do you have a generous mindset or do you, do you have an abundant mindset or do you have a scarcity Mindset. Generous people know this. They know they have access to unlimited resources. Do, do, do you remember back in the day when, when your, your phone had limited data? Anybody remember that? Back in the day, limited data where you, you know, like you, you, you had to make sure you were in Wi-Fi. You didn't dare watch a video until you were in Wi-Fi, because then you get the you ever gotten the bill and you're like, who was watching videos? Your bill just skyrocketed. What is that about? Now we live in, I I can't get used to this unlimited data. I can't get used to it. Like, you don't have to be in Wi Fi anymore. You just go crazy. Woo! Watch all the videos you want to, wherever you are. I'm in Scandinavia. I'm watching videos because I have unlimited data. It changes your mindset. It changes your mindset when you recognize, oh, I have unlimited resources. I can give whatever I want to give because God sees me giving, and he will get it back to me because he wants to bless those who are a blessing. So I want to just encourage you, man, to break the scarcity mindset. And the way you break the scarcity mindset is by faith and action. It has to be faith in action. You can't just say, well, I'll give it when I get it. No, 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 no. It begins no matter where you're at. It's faith in action. That's why I encourage you in your chair back is the 90-day giving challenge. Take the 90-day giving challenge. Over the next 90 days, just begin to give 10% and say, and if there's ever a moment you're ever in need, I'm telling you, the church is going to come alongside you, and we will help you. And if you need anything back over the next 90 days, we'll, we'll give it back. Why would you not do that? I'm just telling you, do this. God will bless you you just it's gonna you're gonna make it's gonna be you're gonna be crazy what you watch God do. And I, here's the thing, when I talk about this, what, some of you haven't even heard anything I've said because you're so upside down financially. You're like, Brad, I don't even have gas in my car. I don't even know if I'm gonna make it home. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm leaving to act like I'm going to the bathroom because I'm gonna siphon gas out of somebody's car out there just so I can make it home. They're gonna tithe to me. <laughs> I want to encourage you, in a, in a few weeks, we're going to start Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. Some of you, most of you know who Dave Ramsey is. Laura and I have been through Financial Peace University twice, I, and it's helped us so much. It will help you to get control of your finances. I, I, especially, like, if you don't have kids yet, you need to be in that class. I mean, if you're not, if you just got newly married, even if you're not married, you need to go in this class. The best marriage counseling you can get is Financial Peace University. I'm just telling you. Get in. If you're a teenager, get in this class. Grab a Next Step card, write Financial Peace University. We'll let you know about it. And that, I believe, is going to be a big key and it's going to help you. So many times we just say, man, I'll give it when I get it. But again, I will say to you that generosity isn't just reserved for the rich. That's a scarcity mindset and a scarcity thinking. I remember when we were in Ethiopia, and I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. And I preached at this church, and when I was done preaching, the pastor got up and he took a second offering. I was like, man, that's brilliant. Let's take a second offering. So uh, relax, we're not taking a second offering today. <laughs> so we're like, we really gonna, we're going to take a second offering? What's going on? No, we're not. But I remember he said we want to take an offering because we want to bless Pastor Brad and, and Laura. And I remember how uncomfortable that made me. Ah, uh, we should be blessing you, not you. because uh, I knew they didn't have anything, and I was like, this is this isn't right. Uh, we can't we can't we can't. And Laura's looking at me, I'm like, we can't let him do this. We can't. And I just sensed the Spirit of God speaking to me and saying, Brad, that's a scarcity mindset. I'm trying to teach these people to have an abundant mindset, and. I want them to be a blessing. I want them to learn what it means to be generous. I want them to learn the joy of generosity. Let them bless you. To be honest, they didn't give us very much. It was a small, small offering. But it was everything to them. I've had people give to me a lot more money than they gave. I would tell you, though, I don't think I've ever had anybody Richly bless me or give to me in such a way. It was so humbling, and I learned so much from them. Reminding me what Paul said about the Macedonian church, they too were very poor. Paul was taking an offering for um, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem were being persecuted, and they were, um, they were in just a horrible state. And so he was taking an offering from all the churches to try to uh, take an offering to Jerusalem. And he, he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. He's talking about the Macedonians. He said, they are being t- tested by many troubles, and they are what? They're not just poor. They were very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in what? In what? Rich generosity. In, in, in other words, their offerings were small. We would see them as poor, but God saw them as rich. When you are generous, God sees you differently. The world might see you by a certain standard, but God's standard is so different. He looks upon the rich as poor at times, and He looks upon the poor as the richest, and they are full of joy. You ever notice how generous people are the happiest people? They are so full of joy. You ever wonder, how in the world could you be giving and, and be so full of joy? Here's the thing. When you hold on to your seed and you keep it for yourself, you start to pollute your soul. It just becomes contaminated and you just start to, greed starts to overcome you and you see things and envy starts to take a hold of you and consumerism starts to grab at you and jealousy starts to get a hold of you and suddenly you see that and I need that and I've got to have that and suddenly it becomes all about you. But when you empty yourself, when you empty yourself of yourself, you make room for God to fill you. And Paul says he will fill you full of abundant joy. Come on now. When you, when you think about many times, how many times in your finances have you looked at me you're like, oh. It's just so frustrating. The enemy's stealing your joy. He's getting you thinking about having a scarcity mindset, but you turn your eyes to the Lord and you say, oh, look at the resources he has. Open yourself up. God, I'm going to give. And then suddenly he fill, fills you. Why? He fills you full of peace. He fills you full of confidence because you look and you say, he's my provider. I'm not, it's not on me. It's on him. He's my provider. When you recognize he's your provider, you are filled with peace. You are filled with confidence. And that brings, my friend, abundant joy. Pressure is off. 2 Corinthians 9 and the second part of verse 10, it says this: He will provide, he will increase your resources, and then he will produce what? Say this with me: a great harvest of generosity in you. In other words, you cannot, you cannot reap a great harvest if you don't plant seed. God, I love sunflower seeds. Now, I, now let me give you a, just a little trick here. If you're ever on a long trip and you know how you fall asleep and you start nodding off on a long trip, let me give you a trick on how to stay awake. Sunflower seeds and classic rock, okay? That's all you need, sunflower seeds and classic rock. And you can stay awake for hours on end. I mean, I just love, I get on a trip, I stop at Love's Truck Stop, walk in, I get the two for one Frito-Lay and the green bag, pull those in, pop them into the side of my jaw like this and just start... <laughs> for hours and then all of a sudden of course then after a while <laughs> you know how your gums just start getting raw so you switch to the other side oh and then it, and it, it's a lot of work to try to get that seed is it not you got to get it between your teeth you got to pop it just right and then you got to go back to another one before you know it your tongue is raw your, the top of your brow, the roof of your mouth is raw it is a lot of work for very little reward don't Eat your seed. Don't eat your seed. Turn to somebody tell them, don't eat your seed. Don't eat your seed. If you're taking notes, write this down. Seed is meant to be sown, not snacked on. Seed is meant to be sown and not snacked on. Sybil Hawkinson, I was talking about her earlier, her and Eric, and Sybil is a master gardener. She can just do amazing things in a garden. What she can grow is just incredible and she takes sunflower seeds and just takes those. And instead of eating them, she's been, she plants them into the ground, just a tiny little sunflower, plants it into the ground, and this is the crop that grows. That's Eric, by the way. That's not one of the kids. That's Eric. Look how high that is. Look at, look at this next picture. Look how big this sunflower is. Look at the size of that thing. Are you kidding me? She's planting and she's reaping a great harvest. Don't eat your seed. If you will plant it, God will be generous back to you. Now, here's the thing about a sunflower, by the way. A sunflower is one of the most unique plants. Whenever this, wherever the sun goes, the sunflower goes. It's always looking at the sun. No matter where that sun is at, that sunflower is hunting for it. Telling you when you have an abundant mindset, when you have a generous mindset, you're always turning your countenance to where's Jesus working? Where is He working? Where is He at? Where is He at? I don't have to turn up, I'm looking out for the needs because He says, Here's a need here, here's a need here, here's a need here. And and you start planting those seeds, and God will be generous to you. I want to invite the worship team to come. You know, many times the harvest doesn't look like what we expect. The word for generosity. Here in this passage, by the way, can also be substituted for the word righteousness. In fact, if you look in other translations, they don't use the word generosity. They use the word righteousness. So these words can be used interchangeably. So look at verse 10 again. It's very interesting. It said, what it would say is this. God provides and, 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 and he, he makes a way. And God, let's look at the scripture this way. When, when you give, God will produce a great harvest of righteousness in you. Wait what? Wait, wait, hang on, hang on a second here. Wait, generosity produces righteousness. It doesn't make. Hang on. I I, I thought I thought I couldn't earn my salvation, but yet the scripture says I can be generous and that will make me righteous. I I want you to write this last thing down. I cannot earn righteousness. I cannot earn righteousness but I can grow in righteousness. I can grow in righteousness. In other words, generosity, it kills the selfish nature within me. It kills the selfish desires in me. And because of that, kindness can grow. Generosity can grow. Humility can grow. The goodness of God can grow in me because I kill me and I make room for God because the, the, the more generous I am, the more like God I become. The more generous, the more I become like God. The more I become like God, the more generous I become. The more, the more that I'm generous, I become like God. And the more like God I become, the more generous I, I become. Uh, look, look, this is what Paul tells us when we started today. He said, For God is the one who provides. In other words, God is generous, and as you become like God, you will become a generous person. If you want to become generous, become like God, and when you become like God, you will be generous, and when you're generous, you will become like God. Generosity and righteousness, working together, and God was the most generous of all. I mean, just stop and think about how generous he has been to you and to me. Leaving heaven? Leaving the throne, like, Jesus is like, I'm good. I'll go down. I will go into that lowly state. I will become human. Go to the cross? Subject himself to brutality and death? Why? Because it's the most generous act ever because he says, I I give grace freely. Think about this. It's like, I give grace freely. I give mercy freely. I give forgiveness freely. All you got to do is ask. Ask. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go after it. You don't have to try for it. You don't have to give $10 in the offering. He says, no, no, I give it freely. All you got to do is ask. He's the most generous that ever lived. We talk all about hope, healing, peace, and purpose every week. We talk about that. I mean, come on, think about that for just a moment. Do you need hope? Are you in a hopeless situation? You don't know how you're going to get out of it. You don't know how you're going to work around it. All you have to do is say, God, give me hope and he says boom you have hope he gives it freely to you do you need healing today you need healing for your soul like, maybe you today you're far from God you you don't have Jesus guess what you're like well Brad how do I earn it how do I get Jesus to love me how do I get it? ask just ask and he says I, I want to give my grace to you yeah but Brad what I did do you know he just says listen just be honest before me just yeah that's who I am God this is what I did will you forgive me? And he says, yes, I'll, I'll forgive you. And you may be walking with Jesus for a long time and you say, man, in this is something you're caught up in and God says, listen, don't don't stay caught up in that. I want to forgive you. I want to pour out grace. I want to pour out mercy. And all you got to do is look to him and say, I receive that. Just ask for it. He's ready to give it freely. Do you need peace? We talk about that every week. Do you need peace this world? You can't find it in this world. It's got you upside down. You're chasing after it. I don't know where I'm going to get it. Today, Ask for peace. He will give it to you freely. Do you need purpose? All you have to do is look to him and say, God, I I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm getting up, going to work, going to bed. Getting up, going to work, watching Netflix, going to bed. Getting up, going to work, watching Netflix, going to bed. What kind of life is this, God? And he says, all you have to do is ask. Just ask I'll show you the steps to take. He gives so freely.